Sports Ethos New York Knicks Podcast. New music. New music for the new year. Game one in the books. Knicks L. You know I kind of predicted it, but. Yeah. Primetime game. You know I hate them. The Knicks never seemingly, that's, that's a strong term, never. But seemingly never perform up to snuff. When the spotlight is on them, maybe that's an overstatement. Maybe that's more imagination than anything else. But still, I came into this game, and I mentioned it on the last show. I came into this game thinking the Knicks were going to lose this game. They're playing one of the better teams in the league. If you ask me, they're right up there, obviously, with Milwaukee, but uh, in the Western Conference as well. Denver... You know, you don't know exactly what Denver is. They lost Bruce Brown. You know, they have some changes in their roster. They're still a great, great team. But, you know, when you lose key components, that can be the difference between winning and losing. You can't act like Bruce Brown wasn't a big part of what they did. And I know some people have a hard time with that nuance when you have one of the great players of all time in Joker and you have uh, Jamal Murray, Murray and you have Michael Porter Jr. and you have all of these guys and someone says Bruce Brown is one of the key components to your championship. People look at you crazy, but all it's some of those role players, just like um, Andre Iguodala winning MVP at the finals. He shouldn't have won, but, you know, you get the point. The Celtics are right there with those guys, in my opinion. One of the better teams, that's not going out on a limb, one of the better teams in the league. Game one, got a brand new player in Porzingis in their rotation, and Drew Holiday. I thought the Knicks were going to lose. And the Knicks pretty much started this game off exactly how I would be worried and concerned about them starting the game. And Randall ended up having the game that you would be worried about. He did have 11 rebounds and 7 assists. But he shot terribly. Uh, You know, R.J. Barrett started off Kind of slow, but, you know, he had a decent game. Jalen Brunson, my concerns from the preseason that I touched on but didn't want to get too uh, been out of shape about, but I definitely was concerned about Jalen Brunson coming into in the preseason, coming into the season. I didn't like the way he looked. Didn't like the way he was playing. Didn't seem like he was in any kind of rhythm. He did end up hitting some shots down the stretch, though, and – you got to give him some credit there. No no question. He had some big threes in, in the fourth quarter, but he couldn't really he couldn't really make, you know, those those big Jalen Brunson like plays that you have come to expect from him. You you didn't really see it. And it, and he didn't seem like he was you could always count on Jalen Brunson. Look at his numbers last year. You can always count on him. That was the one thing when the Knicks weren't, you know, playing close games when coming down the stretch you know, you couldn't count on Randall. You know, RJ was sometimes he, IQ was sometimes he, all these guys are sometimes he, but Jalen Brunson, he was solid most nights. Wasn't solid last night, and that's a concern. You know, for game one of the season, didn't play much in the preseason. You know, he might put it all together. Wasn't, you know, who knows? Josh Hart made some big plays, but didn't, wasn't nearly as impactful as, as he usually is. Some of this is the Celtics defense, by the way, which is going to be one of the best defenses in the league. And KP continues to surprise me defensively. 
I already may have culped KP on his defense from last season. I still don't. I'm still not a big believer in KP defensively, but he looked real good last night. Looked real good last night. And as much as they talked about KP's defense, man, you know, KP, he only averages about a block a game. You know, he ain't look like that last night. He ain't look like that last night. And I will say this. You're playing Porzingis 38 minutes in game one of the regular season. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to last. I don't, I don't know if that's going to last. That's game one. You want to set a tone? Okay. But Missoula better figure something else out. You can't... You can't play KP that many minutes game one. You can't play all of those guys that many minutes game one. Game one. 38 minutes is a lot. Randall didn't even... Everyone talks about Tibbs and his minutes. Randall didn't play no 38 minutes. Kudos to Quickly. I told you. I told you last episode. I said it. Him not getting that extension... Probably the best thing that could happen to the Knicks, at least for this season. The best thing that could happen to him, because he's got something to prove. And he came out last night, sharp, sharp, twenty-four points, sharp out there. That was very promising. Now, for all of you who are panic-stricken over this game, because that's what everyone does, I want you to think about it. You got a bad game from Brunson. You didn't get a great RJ game, but you got a good RJ game. You didn't get a good game from Art, from uh, Julius Randle. Didn't get a great game from Quickly. Didn't get a great game from Josh Hart. Got very little from Dante DiVincenzo. Only played 15 minutes. And you know I'm high on him coming off the bench this year. And the Knicks looked like they were going to get blown out the gym. And they were right there in that game. The whole time. Not playing well. Looking like Boston was getting whatever shot they wanted. And the Knicks were still right there. And had that game won. The Knicks literally lost this game. They had it won and lost it. They pissed it away. After that terrible start. Three quarters down. The Knicks had a chance to win this game in the fourth quarter and should have won it if they could execute and they weren't so sloppy down the stretch. And if it wasn't for just a terrible call, that flop call on Brunson, just a terrible call. It was a flagrant foul getting your foot underneath the shooter and you call a flop on Brunson, give them a tactical. Give them a point. It should have been been three shots and possession for the Knicks. The Knicks lost the game by four. How do you call a flop tech and not look at a replay to see if you missed the actual foul call? They need to change that tomorrow. They need to change that tomorrow. Don't wait till next season. Change that tomorrow. You cannot assume someone's flopping and then it turns out, oh, look, they were actually fouled. And then your spin is, oh, but they exaggerated. The moment he landed on somebody's foot, it's a flagrant foul. I don't want to hear exaggerated nothing. I'll give you another thing I don't want to hear again, and I, and I talk about this all the time. 
You go back to 2012 or 2013, whatever year it was, when the Knicks lost to the Pacers, Roy Hibbert and the Pacers, and Roy Hibbert dominated that series with that verticality. What dude was body-blowing everybody who came to the basket, and they were talking about verticality. Reggie Miller was had to talk to the referees before the game so he can come on air and explain the rule because this guy who played 20 years in the league couldn't tell you what verticality was, but all of a sudden, Frank Vogel had the Pacers practicing verticality all year, had referees coming in, politic the league on verticality, and then the Pacers got an advantage in that series because Roy Hibbert was getting every verticality call and the Knicks would not get that same call. And I'll never forget it. They lost the series because of that. Roy Hibbert is a big dude. He was body-blowing dudes the whole the whole series. Talking about verticality. IQ, oh, uh, Doris Burke. IQ, well, he's moving sideways a little bit. He's moving sideways, so I think it's a foul. Get out of Oh, he moved from A to B. Shut up. They lost a whole playoff series, and it should have been the Eastern Conference Finals if it wasn't verticality. Verticality is not a real thing. Stop it with verticality. It's not real. Stop pretending it's real. It's not real. It's a sometimes you call. It's basically, it's basically the referee calls verticality. Calls verticality when he doesn't think there's enough contact to call a foul. He calls it verticality. When he thinks there's too much contact, verticality goes out the window. It's a, it's a super subjective call. Don't give me A to B. You can't just jump. Nobody's going to jump straight up in the air. They have to brace themselves. You're going to jump backwards. You see Draymond Green do that. You jump backwards and not get the call. But that's just because you, he knows, because he's a smart defender, he knows how to manipulate the call. Doesn't mean that that's the way it's supposed to be. It, talking about A to B is when you're almost body blowing the the ball handler the shooter where you're jumping like you're almost like like a mosh pit and you're smashing yourself into him that's not what iq did he might have moved six inches up six inches to the left or right get out of here with that nonsense a huge call that got challenged you gotta swallow your pride and reverse that it's not what is he supposed to do there verticality is a bs call i think if you ask me if you ask me Defenders, defenders should approach verticality like it's it's like don't don't consider verticality when you're playing defense. You do what you need to do. <laughs> you do what you need to do. They either gonna call it or not. It's not consistent. Those two calls, man. And I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and and, and say those are the only plays of the game. And Knicks fumbled the game away on multiple occasions. Um, but my point is. With as poorly as everybody played and not getting a big game from as many people as they needed big games from, typically, and they're still being in that game with a chance to win against one of the best teams in the league at full strength? Nah. I was not looking forward to having to do this show before that game started because I figured they would lose, and I know how Nick Nation is. I wasn't looking forward to having that depressing conversation about how guys didn't step up and this guy didn't hustle and the offense was stagnant and all of that stuff. All of that stuff was true when the Knicks had a chance to win. That means something to me. Because that means they can have off nights like that against 99% of the league and still beat them, in theory. Because they almost beat the Celtics. And I say this one game of the season, and, and good or bad, you don't make a big deal out of it. But I, I came out of that game. First of all, I, I'll do you one better. When the fourth quarter started, the Knicks were still losing. I predicted they would win the game. And I'm not even that guy. I'm not even that 
Pollyanna Nick fan who always thinks everything. No, I told you I thought they were going to lose the game coming into it. And then after they played terribly and they came into that fourth quarter, I knew they would turn it up a notch. And them turning it up a notch is, could be enough to win the game. And it should have been. All of that makes me feel good about this team. I feel like they're grinders. I feel like they they have a winning spirit. They have a confidence that winning teams, high-end winning teams normally have, where even if we're not playing well, we still believe we can stay in this game and win it at the end. Now, you haven't seen them in this year's iteration of the team. You haven't seen them actually do that. <laughs> it's just one game in, and they drop the ball at the end. But I feel like if Brunson is who we think he is, that's going to change. Randall could be exactly who Randall is. We know that, and it can get to the second round of the playoffs. So Brunson has to be who Brunson is, or you can just throw it all out the window. It's not going to happen. And R.J. Barrett stepped up and played. Well, I like R.J. Barrett this year, man. If I could bet something on R.J. Barrett, I would. I need to go look at it again. I need to go find some place to bet something on R.J. Barrett having a much better season. I'm a big believer in R.J. Barrett having a much better season. I need to go bet on what his free throw percentage is. Let me write this down on my to-do list. Find R.J. Barrett bets. Bet house on R.J. Barrett. Because I'm high on R.J. Barrett this year. That doesn't mean he's going to be a genius out there. He's still not going to give you stats across the board. He's still not going to get you a bunch of assists and rebounds, all that kind of stuff. I think he will rebound better typically than he did last night, though. But I, I really believe his free throw percentage is going to go way up. I think he's going to be close to 80% on the free throw line this year. I think he's going to be 78 79%. I really do. He changed his shot. His shot is much truer, more, much straighter. I noticed that over the summer in FIBA. I'm high on R.J. Barrett this year. He's been better at the rim. And so if he starts making more of his outside shots, that's that's instead of shooting, you know, low 40s, that's mid 40s. Instead of shooting low 30s, uh, that's closer to mid 30s from three. And points wise, if he's going to get to the line the way he's done in the preseason, where he did in against one of the league's better, better defensive teams last night, he's going to put more points on the board. And I told you that the other day. He just makes free throws. That's good. For another few points a game, if nothing else changes, you know, that's that's enough for the Knicks most on a, on a lot of nights. So I'm I'm very encouraged by that game last night. I know there are no moral victories, but it's game one of the season, so you're still trying to figure out who the team is. So it's not so much about moral victories and more so about getting a read on what this team might be. And everybody can play an average game. If you, can, if, if you can have most of the team play a poor game and have a chance to beat a title contender, then imagine everybody just having an average game against most of the league. Now, this is a tough schedule coming up. You know, there's it, it, no moral victories. So you got to start pulling these games out. But in terms of hitting the panic button after game one, I'm 100% the opposite. And I tell you all the time, the Knicks are going to have trouble against stretch five. Seems like can spread it out, shoot efficiently, especially if you have a dynamic stretch five and not just a stand, stand, stand in the corner guy or a stand top of the key guy like Porzingis. Uh, and teams typically, teams Porzingis has been on, they have not, they have not stayed with Porzingis at center that often. You know, uh, he wasn't a Wizards very long, but he had to share time with Gafford a lot. Uh, having him at center usually was not the, the best plan of action for the teams that KP was on. Even in Dallas, he, he Dwight Powell was on the floor a lot. You could say KP was the center, but Dwight Powell kind of 
mitigates the fact that KB's at center because he doesn't shoot either. So having the floor completely spread, it allowed Tatum to be a monster, even though Tatum wasn't even a plus in the game, which is interesting. But it allowed Tatum to be a monster because there was no help around. And Mitchell is like a, a, a baby deer when there's a stretch five out there. He really has a hard time managing it, as most people would. And there's no help at the rim. Uh, there's no great size, especially when Randall's on the floor. And don't give me that Obi Toppin nonsense because Obi Toppin doesn't count as great size. There's no great size down there. And so when your big man is away from the rim, it's, it's the pain is open. And Boston took advantage. And, and teams are always going to take advantage of the Knicks like that. That's what Miami did to the Knicks. And again, I think that's one of the reasons why I was impressed at the end of the day, even though Knicks, you know, I was mad at some things. But to spread the floor the way Miami could and, and the Knicks to still hold them to low-scoring game, to a low-scoring game. And that was kind of true last night, too. They didn't score a ton of points. That's below what Boston is going to average this year. You know, the Knicks' problem is always going to be offense. And I think this is what people don't really understand. Teams are going to score. Look at the scores around the league. Teams are going to score points. It is hard to stop people. You hear the Euros talk about it all the time. Dennis Schroeder said it again last night. It is easier to score in the NBA than it is to score overseas. Because overseas, they always have a big man in the paint. In the NBA, they don't. Overseas, they're always playing physical. In the NBA, they're not. They're not. Talks about it all the time. It's hard to stop people consistently. But Tibbs does it. And he doesn't even have great defensive players across the board on the team. Brunson isn't a great defensive player. Randall could be, but he's not. RJ isn't. And he's still still able to to hold teams below their scoring average most nights. The Knicks' problem is not the defense. It's the offense has to be able to be more efficient and consistent. And the reason why they aren't is because, not because, here's the thing. I, I don't subscribe to the notion that the Knicks don't have enough shooting. I think the Knicks have enough shooting. They just have the wrong kind of shooting. They have YMCA shooting. Guys got to load up. They got to think about it before they shoot. They'll knock it down over the course of the year. You'll look at everyone's average and say, oh, you know, that's decent except for RJ's. Even Randall's. Randall's shot, that's about league average what he shot. I think he shot 34%. Most of the year, he was above 35%. That's league average. He finished at 34%, got cold for a stretch. And, of course, we know he doesn't do it in the playoffs. We know that. But you're talking about a guy who who everyone clowns as being poor, a poor shooter, and he's shooting 34%. R.J. hold another story. R.J. Barrett is not shooting a good percentage from three in his career. You know he can hit it. And it's not like teams in Miami did this. But most teams in a regular season, they don't just leave him wide open. They contest. They contest him. So he's not really killing them. But it does obviously hurt when your team, when you have a guy in, on your team who's going to get a lot of shots and he's shooting 30-something, low 30s from three. But Randall's shooting 34%. Josh Hart, when he was with the Knicks, he shot an incredible percentage that you know he can't maintain, about 50%. And he took a decent amount of shots. 
But Josh Hart isn't a great three-point shooter, as we've seen. He he kind of vacillates in confidence. But if you look at his career from three, he's been an average three-point shooter. It's, and DiVincenzo's a good three-point shooter. Grimes is a great three-point shooter. Brunson was a great three-point shooter last year. IQ is a very good three-point shooter. He was a good one last year. He's streaky. It's not that they don't have shooting. They just have YMCA shooting. Uh, Sans DiVincenzo, and I'm not going to mention 48. Sans DiVincenzo and Sans IQ. These guys got to load up, think about it, with very little variation on the shot. They're not going to be moving. They got to be standing still. They got to be set. They got to be super wide open. Or they're not, it, it doesn't look clean. They're not like Tatum, who's going to do a step back three. You'll see that from Brunson. You might see that from IQ. He's streaky with it. You should see it from, from Grimes, but you don't. DiVincenzo's probably not going to do that. Not here. He could. You're not seeing that from Josh. You're not seeing that efficiently from RJ. You will see it from Randall, who's super streaky with it. These guys, man, you you would sleep on that on that uh, closeout. They're knocking it down across the league. They're catching it and putting it up quick. They're not thinking twice about it. Even though the Knicks outshot the Celtics last night, which was funny. Outshot them from three. Those shots are there for the Knicks a lot. Those opportunities are there, and the Knicks turn them down. They don't shoot them because they're not those kinds of shooters. They're leaving wide open, and they'll shoot in a league average type of shooters. Whereas most of the league average shooters, they don't have to have that much room. They don't have to think about it. They're putting it up. They're not reluctant about it. And part of, to me, part of that reluctance is not just the personnel. It's part of it. It's also the rhythm, the lack of rhythm the offense produces. With and, and the ball movement was decent, I thought, last night. So I'm not gonna jump down the throat, down their throat, but it's just not enough rhythm. This ball movement without read and reaction. There's supposed to be reading reaction to that offense, and there isn't. So guys, because they're not reading and reacting, they lose that half a step advantage that they could have if they were. So that means it's it's a grind, it's a struggle, whereas it shouldn't be. That's why players like Josh Hart and DiVincenzo are important on that second unit because they read and react very well, both of them. You know, they, they just didn't play tremendously last night. You know, obviously, I think that's going to be an outlier. You know, but they know how to read and react. And DiVincenzo knows how to shoot when he's not. He's that he's the type of shooter that's going to shoot even and not hesitate when he sees the shot. He's that kind of shooter. They need him. They need him on the floor like that. Right, he kind of replaces what everyone wants Fournier to do, at least from the three-point shooting percentage. And DiVincenzo hasn't been like the last couple of preseason games and last night he didn't look good doing other things. But you know, I know what he can do. It's just a question of whether or not he can do it on this team, where the paint can be crowded, where the spacing can be awkward. And so that that's what that's what the Knicks' real problem is. Is they're not scoring at a high enough pace and a high enough rate and with the consistency that they need to 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 win or beat teams that are going to be hard to stop offensively. They can slow teams down, but you still got to you got to do your part. They got to slow you down. Now, that's one of the best defensive teams in the league, but we know that that's been consistent team to team no matter who the Knicks have played. It's been them more so than the team that they're playing. Right? 
So the Knicks need to score more. That's their problem. I think people focused too much on a defense that has not been as bad as people think it was. It was bad when it started the season, but it wasn't bad most of the season. And it wasn't bad in the playoffs. And that's what matters. And it wasn't bad last night. It was bad in spots. Because when it comes down to stretch, there's no margin for error. Guys are going to step up. They're going to make shots. They're going to have some looks. And they're going to knock some of them down. you got to do the same thing. And the Knicks had plenty of open shots last night. And they, they didn't knock them down. So that's the part that, that worries me. I told you, I didn't like the way IQ played. Brunson, not IQ. Brunson. IQ played great. I tell you, I didn't like the fact that Grimes didn't get enough looks. Didn't like it. Obviously, Randall goes on Randall sometimes. Uh, but again, it's game one. I don't want to be that guy. There's a lot of Knicks podcasts out there. Great podcasts. Great job. Breakdowns. It's game one. Now, you can't, you can't overstate anything after one game against a title-contending team, one of the better defensive, defensive teams in the league. It's disappointing that Randall can't take advantage of a size advantage on Drew Holiday because he doesn't know exactly how to do it. Uh, it it's, uh, and when Mitchell Robinson got in foul trouble, him getting in foul trouble is not always a bad thing because Hartenstein is such a, a much more functional offensive player and can do uh, – he can, he can be solid enough defensively even if he doesn't present the same challenges that Mitchell does. He could be solid enough defensively uh, along with the fact that he's a much more competent offensive player to more than make up for Mitchell some nights. You know, so uh, I like, I, I at least, li- I liked, even though I didn't play great and I have my beefs that I laid out, I feel, I told you coming into the season, I was nervous about it. I, you know, nothing changes at the, in terms of predictions. Told you I was nervous about how they were going to play. I feel a little bit better even in a loss, which is typically not my thing. And uh, so, one game in the books, 0-1. Look around the league, some other, took, other teams took some losses that you wouldn't expect and didn't look that great. So things, listen, don't just follow your team, follow the league because you want to judge your team as relative to the rest of the league. So you got to look at everybody. got to look at everybody. So... That's it for today's show. I'm going to try to have shorter shows this year. Get on my little soapbox sometimes a bit too much. But that's it. One game in the books. We'll be here after the next one. Which also won't be fun. The Hawks. After they took a bad loss. And that's going to be a pain in the butt. That's going to be a pain in the butt. On the road. Trey Young had big numbers, but didn't have a great game. Got to the line a ton, which means referees are still on his nutsack, and that saddens me. Didn't even shoot well. So you know he's got a uh, a bone to pick. You know they always want to give the Knicks a hard time. They're starting Jalen Johnson, and Jalen Johnson is going to be a pain in the butt. Nuke, uh, Nuke. Duke, Duke alum. Probably knows RJ RJ's game very well. I feel like I remember some instances where he gave RJ a problem last year. A lot of those guys played together in the offseason. So if you know RJ's game and you have good physical abilities and you're a good defensive player, you're going to give RJ trouble. You might give Randall trouble. Randall might have a, a little chip on his shoulder after the first game. That could be good or bad. You know how that goes. You're expecting a better game from Brunson. 
Capella's healthy. He's going to be a pain in the butt. Kongu's healthy. He's going to be a pain in the butt. The guy Sadiq Bay. you know, he wants to play against his boys. He knows his boys' games. Ugh. Won't be easy, but if the Knicks are going to do what they need to do, they got to win this game in Atlanta. Got to. Got to. But here we are. Season's underway. Can't wait. Big year. Until next time.